0: Let's get some of that movie chat, credits roll by, and I tip my hat, credits roll by, I want to know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat, credits roll by, tell me who did that, life in the credits is where I want to play.
1: Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And Tara's discussing in the film Zodiac. And joining us today is our special guest, Christian Becker. So welcome, Christian. Hey, Christian.
2: Hey, hey, guys. Thank you so much for having
1: me. Yes, thanks for joining us.
0: Absolutely. We're very excited. So can you get us started today? Tell us a bit about what you do in the entertainment world.
2: Yeah, so currently, uh, and I guess for the past few years, I've been an associate producer in the television world, uh, both in documentary and talk show. And uh, currently, I'm an associate field producer with the Drew Barrymore Show.
0: Awesome. Very cool.
1: So can you tell us more about the day to day of what your current job is? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So most talk shows have a field department. It's basically the way I describe it when people ask is it's anything that happens outside of the studio, our team handles. So when Drew uh, and any other hosts, they do guest segments and they do uh, like just, just anything in studio, that's a whole separate studio team. And the field team is anything remotely. So we do the segments, uh, Drewber, when we have the interviews in her car, that'll be the field team. When we do uh, stuff with Chef pilar uh these like cooking and food segments that'll be the field team as well and other like little random things like sometimes we'll do things in drew's dressing room that will fall under the field team category so really there's anything outside the studio really uh, it's it's kind of a broad term and field but uh yeah we we get to do a lot
0: nice very cool so how far ahead of time do you guys normally plan those segments
2: it's a wide spectrum they could be anywhere between uh, it depends on how big the uh the shoot is if it's something okay. like a big travel shoot like uh, i got to be a part of uh, a montana shoot that we did nice. uh, this past february cool. so that was many many months in the making so a lot of a lot of logistics a lot of planning had to go into that we did a bunch of little segments all within the trip where we did dog sledding we visited a a pottery shop we did a uh, visit some local restaurants out there so it was just a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts in a lot of different areas uh so that takes a lot of time and prep but then there could be things where we find out about it the day of the show has a segment called in a minutes which uh drew ends the show with every time uh and they could be anything from uh diy projects to just lifestyle tips i've i've produced some that are just tips on finance and how to save money or exercises or just little like at-home crafts and usually those we we know in about a week in advance or even a couple days before but I have been a part of somewhere I'll come into the office and they'll be like hey this person is here on the show they want to do an in a minute so and then you'll have like the morning to kind of prep it but those are nice and easy and you know they're just usually just like one page scripted things that um, those are pretty easy so all all that to say depending on how big the shoot is it could be anywhere between months of prep or just an hour
1: nice (laughs) (laughs) wide range yeah (laughs) so are there separate writers for the field pieces versus the studio pieces or do you work with the writers of the studio set part of the show
2: we work with the writers yeah the writers uh they mainly handle the the in-studio segments there are uh separate writers for uh our drew's news uh, okay. segments they're ones that kind of handle the uh the guest segments that fall under uh some of the writers but also the associate producers who are in the uh in the studio but a lot of it is a uh, big collaboration between okay. all the different departments so when yeah. we have field segments we'll have the writers uh come on and uh and kind of help us out with with that and help us with uh chat areas if we need to interview a guest and we need to come up with some red light confessions or some questions yeah. for the guest, just some like outside the box ones okay. where, kind of uh, put our heads together on all those
0: cool cool so what are your responsibilities then either when you're on the shoot or off a shoot
2: yeah, so I'll use um our kind of our signature segment, uh Droober, as an example mm-hmm. there. And for, for those who don't know, it's essentially just a an interview in Drew's car uh where we'll have a guest come on and uh and we'll just do some some fun little banter, some red light confessions. Every time someone stops at a red light, they have to give give us like a little confession off of a question that we wrote. Yeah, we've had people like Millie Bobby Brown, Courtney Cox on there. It's it's super fun, but a lot of it is research-based, a lot of it is uh, just coming up with the different questions. And then a lot of it is once it is actually shot after the uh, production day, then we do these things called paper cuts, which are basically trying to cut it all down just so that it can fit in the small little segment that we have for it. So, let's say we shoot for an hour, you know, obviously we can't show the whole thing for an hour as yeah. much as I would love to because we <laughs> yeah. have so many entertaining uh guests and and so much fun uh banter and revelations. Uh we just can't fit it all in there. So, we'll mm-hmm. have to take that hours worth of footage and maybe cut it down to like the best 8 minutes. So, wow. that's a lot of what I will do as well in in uh going through the footage trying to put it together so it makes sense to our editors. Uh maybe make up some notes for some fun graphics and mm. just to, to make the whole thing make sense and uh to be the uh the most fun that it could possibly be so on the prep side of it it's coming up with the questions coming up with the confessions uh doing research dossiers on guests and then on the back side of it it is uh working with the post team a lot on uh, okay. the the edits Cool. Right. so you're involved
0: all the way through then really
2: yeah, which is I, I think is a very I, I can't really speak to a ton of other shows, but I mm-hmm. think it's been uh, unique to me in my in my role in this, in that oh, okay. uh, you really get to to work with all the different departments from uh, from pre-production, you know, the day of production and post. Uh, you know, if you if you're assigned a uh, a piece, you really get to see it all the way through, which I think is, is really. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's cool. So can you tell us about your background, maybe what you went to school for, different things you did before this career that got you to where you are today?
2: For sure, yeah. So i I went to school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, a place nice. called uh, Calvin University. Very random, I know, but I've, <laughs> I've only ever I've only ever lived as a resident in New Jersey and in Michigan, so uh, <laughs> haven't really gone haven't really gone too far. But yeah, the school it was it was a liberal arts college. It wasn't uh, I didn't go to film school per se, but right. they had a film department there, so I studied film and media uh, communications there while I was getting my other Gen Ed, and then. So that was that kind of uh, scratched my film itch. I really wanted yeah. to, to be a director, be a writer, you know, just, you know, direct movies like, uh, you know, any anyone who who studies right. film kind of wants to do when they start out. <laughs> right. And then where I kind of got into the, the entertainment comedy side of things, I uh, joined my school's improv team, which uh, I auditioned nice. for the team my my freshman year. And I had always been a fan of comedy. I mm. you know, I grew up on the late night shows like uh, Conan O'Brien, Jay yeah. Leno, uh, Jimmy Fallon, and then of course, Saturday Night and uh the, the Muppets was another another yeah. in my childhood so just th- things like that I, I was a big fan of but I never saw myself working in it or doing it right. until I started doing improv in college that kind of opened up a whole world of performance to me and to like just kind of the the science of comedy and just like what what makes something funny how how things can be uh, best communicated in a comedic sense so all throughout my time in college, I was able to kind of combine my love of film and TV and my love of comedy. And, uh, and I think that's kind of reflected in the shows that I've ended up working for uh, all throughout my career.
1: Nice. So then how did you finally get your foot in the door for entertainment? Cause you mentioned being in Grand Rapids, obviously Midwest, not super entertainment centric. Um, so how did you manage to kind of break into the industry?
2: Yeah, sure. So when I when I graduated, I, I moved back to uh, the New Jersey area. So that's uh, where I grew up, uh, where my parents still lived. So I always had New York, even though I, I never lived in New York City and still mm-hmm. don't. I uh, always had New York City as my my backyard, like family would go there, uh, you know, like little day trips, go there yeah. during the holidays, all that stuff there. So I knew that, you know, for for film and TV, you're either going to go to L.A. or you're going to go to New York. Uh, Not so much anymore. A lot of people find ways of making it work in other areas like Atlanta now. I know it seems like uh, Texas and and Tennessee are kind of having these like booming uh, operations. But generally speaking, you know, L.A. and New York, those are the things that stick out in people's Mm -hmm. minds. So I knew that, you know, coming home to New Jersey, trying to figure out what I was going to do, uh, I could start applying for things and looking for things in New York. And then I came across the CBS page program, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the NBC page yes. program <laughs> made, made, made famous by uh, by Kenneth Page on 30 yes. Rock. Uh, that, that's always how I describe it to people who aren't in TV. When I tell yeah. them that I was a page, I'm like, do you watch 30 Rock? Like, that guy, <laughs> Kenneth, yeah, that was pretty much that was the one. I,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. A funny little aside: We had a um, uh, a Facebook group for our page program, yes. and the the cover photo for it was a, a Google search of someone typing in CBS page program, but then below it says, uh, Google says, did you mean NBC page program? (laughs) (laughs) Because not a lot of people think about uh, CBS as having a a program like that, but I personally think all the networks should because I got so much uh, benefit out of it. It's like a little in-between that's a little bit higher than an intern but a little bit lower than a full-time employee where you're getting paid but not much, but really the goal of it is just to get your foot in the door in television. So you're moving around to all the different uh, areas that the network has to offer. So I got to work in the sports network. I got to work in CB, uh, CBS this morning. I worked in the tape library for a little bit, which was in this creepy little basement, but it was, <laughs> it was uh, all the people were nice down there. But I think the thing that I got out of it the most was it the summer that I was graduating college and then coming into the industry and got hired as a page was the summer that David Letterman retired and Stephen Colbert was taking over the Late nice, Show. Yeah, so right. my- my very first assignment was I got to work audience for uh for the late show with Stephen Colbert. That's cool. uh when that first started up. So That's I got crazy. to be there for the test shows, for the the premiere week and everything. And uh so that was just it, it was amazing to just to be around that world. And yeah, uh, I, I already knew going in I wanted to work in in comedy and TV and late night, but that definitely solidified it right there for me. And then uh, other shows we got to work on uh, and do audience for it was last week tonight with John Oliver and mm-hmm. Full Frontal with Samantha B Because even though those shows aren't CBS, they uh, they shot in the Broadcast Center, yeah, so we cool. got to to kind of be a part of there too. Awesome. And then just in being there, I got to to meet some of the like production staff, some of the writers. So uh, a lot of them that I still keep in touch with to this day. So it was just just being in that environment really yeah. just kind of energized me to want to continue working in it. But then also gave me kind of the help me build my network in yeah, definitely. Uh, working working in this world uh, in the future very cool. That is um, cool.
1: Can you define for our listeners what working audience means?
2: <laughs> it's basically a glorified usher. Oh, that's You're okay. essentially that's saying, "Right this, right this way, man. Right this way, sir." And like, yeah, yeah, bringing them in the line. I mean, there, there's a, a lot more complications to it. A lot of stanchions you got to move, elevators yeah. up and down, right. bringing them to their seats, bringing them to the bathroom, uh, yelling at them if they're on their phones. <laughs> Although I think now people are allowed to have phones. Back in the day, that you know, it was it was really strict, but yeah. Uh, now, now when I see shows and, and either I'm in the audience at some or, or, mm-hmm. uh, shows that I've, um, I've worked with like later in my career, they're just like, yeah, take pictures of the set, oh, hashtag <laughs> it on social media. I'm like, we were never allowed to do this. Like, <laughs> I guess now it's just like, ah, who cares? Let them see yeah. the behind the scenes. Yeah, it's I all good. Like, it, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: It's easier to just let them do it than to, like constant monitoring. Probably. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And now
2: with everyone finding creative ways that everyone has like Apple watches and right. Google glass, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, how are you going to stop it? It's like, yeah, and, I mean, it's free publicity, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you've worked on so many different shows. And I mean, Billy on the Street was a big one. This is a Of course, the Drew Barrymore show as you are, you know, on these different jobs. <laughs> Is there a big difference in work culture or the environment that you're in when you're on them, or are they all kind of similar?
2: Obviously, the the shows themselves have have a much different flavor. I mean, Samaro so much different than Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, different than Billy on the Street. Billy on the Street, different than Jordan Klepper's show. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they all have their different flavor and their own voices. But in terms of the production staff, there there have been – there's been a lot of crossover in who I've worked with. Right. Uh, if I've worked on uh, shows of people in the past from Dia Amaro, there was a, a large portion of the field team that I was on, uh, on that show also worked on Jordan Klepper's show, which is how I got connected with it. Cool. So in terms of work culture, it's, uh, it's been pretty similar. Uh, I've mm-hmm. gotten to meet all kinds of uh, new and exciting people on every show that I've been a part nice. of, but yeah, I mean the work culture, I almost feel spoiled because you. I feel like the industry gets such a bad reputation of, yeah. uh, you know, backstabbers and people, right, right. you know, just trying to get ahead and, right. you know, the, you better watch your back and everything. But like, I don't know. I've, I feel like I've been so lucky in that everywhere I've worked, it's just been full of uh, full of great people. So yeah, I mean, I, I think the work culture and that that might be a comedy thing to it too because most of the shows, like I mentioned, have been comedy shows, and right. so there is like a general lightheartedness to most of what you're doing, yeah. even if they're very um, heavy pieces. Like uh, I know for uh, the opposition with Jordan Klepper, there were a lot of times where because we were uh, you know, discussing politics in right. 2017, which obviously was a couple of years after Trump got elected, yeah. but it was still kind of in a, this dark space, mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of kind of edgy topics there. But even then, you're trying to come up with the best comedic voice that you can and how to present that topic. So I feel like, uh, I feel like that definitely added something to the, to the culture of, of the work environment
1: nice cool it's good to hear that it's like there's a lot of positive work environments yeah. out there in tv you know because yeah. obviously the bad ones make headlines but there's a lot happening where no, like nothing's going wrong we're all getting along everything's fine like yeah <laughs> that's good to hear i mean to be
2: fair there might be other people who, who have yeah. worked uh you know all, yeah. around these places that have uh have different perspectives yeah. where uh yeah, they're listening to this one. They're like, hey, I worked on that, too. Christian's yeah. a liar. I had a horrible time, but I, I can only speak to my experience. <laughs> right. <but>. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you notice much of a difference in just sort of how the workday goes between late night and daytime? Or is, is your job field producing kind of similar across both those formats, too?
2: Yeah, it's it's generally pretty similar. Yeah. I think the, the biggest difference between um, I think the operation is is very similar just okay. in that it's in a studio there's you know yeah. same same type of crew same type of department same type of job uh generally the same hours I think in, in oh, late okay. night you tend to work a little bit later just because yeah. they're they're waiting till they're shooting the day of and they're right. um and they're kind of waiting till like the last possible minute to get all the updates and try to get things current. Uh, Whereas like daytime, you know, start early in the morning and then just kind of like bank a few um, episodes here and there. But yeah, so I think the operation is, is the same. The the big difference would be in uh, like I mentioned before, the voices of the shows. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, late night uh, tends to be a little more uh, topical, a little more yeah. uh, edgier, for for lack of a better word. Uh, it's it's usually going over the the news of the day. So, and of course, they're, they're late night. It's like kind of like an right. after hours at a bar yeah. kind of thing. Like you <laughs> you, you kind of get away with saying things that in a uh, for a daytime audience right. you, you might not necessarily necessarily be able to uh, to get away with. Yeah. It's it's a lot more <laughs> of a, a lighter environment in the uh, in the daytime space.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of that course. makes
0: sense. Yeah, totally. So how many segments are you producing at once? And do they sort of overlap? Or is it like you're doing a lot of pre pro at the same time, and then a lot of production at the same time? Or how does that work?
2: Yeah, they, they don't really overlap a lot. The only – you are juggling a good amount, but it's all little things here and there. Oh, okay. So usually we'll all be working on um, – I, I have a small but but mighty team at uh, at Drew Barrymore. Um, so it's usually my myself and our uh, main field producer uh, who are kind of overseeing – and our supervising field producer as well who are kind of overseeing the big picture in these bigger shoots that we're doing, uh, like with a Drewber, with a Montana, yeah. or uh, restaurant shoots that were that we do, those are kind of considered the bigger ones, but then. They'll sprinkle in like some in a minutes here and right. or they'll have us uh help out with a with a sizzle intro for a guest, which is uh what they like to call love letters, where if we're having so-and-so like, hey, we're having Brendan Fraser on to to promote the whale. uh Let's write a nice little intro for him and all that. So you're kind of do, r- writing a, a sizzle intro, kind of introing who the guest is, do it in Drew's voice, make it a little cutesy. And usually that's the studio team. But then right. sometimes if they are just uh feeling like they have a lot on their plate, uh, we kind of swoop in and, and uh-huh. help them out with that. So those are some examples of just, uh, we're, we're always working on, on something, whether it's a big project or, or a small one here and there, or, uh, if we need to get little interstitial shots, like, like, for example, there was one thing that, uh, a big project of mine just throughout uh, the course of a couple of days, we wanted to shoot some guests who were coming in over the course of a week, talking to Drew, saying like uh, what their happy place is, because mm-hmm. one show that we were going to be shooting for was for Drew's magazine, where the theme was your happy place. So the... EP's ought to be a good idea. Like, Hey, let's, while we have the guests coming here for interviews, let's, uh, let's try to get some of them just to do these little asides, these little nice. like um, cameras in their dressing rooms, just saying like, hi, Drew, my happy place is. So that was something that because it was outside the studio and it was just like it kind of catching them when they first got there, when they leave. Uh, that was something that I was doing, okay. and cool. I was kind of uh, directing our, uh, our our camera person uh, in that regard and coaching the the talent as to to what to say, how long it should be. Uh, so that's a little project here on top of maybe we are going over like a, a human interest story or okay. a, a design by Drew that we were also doing. Nice. Uh, so that that's my long winded way of saying you know we we are we are juggling a lot, but. Yeah. The, They they range between the big things and the small things. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the team is really good at at really helping each other out. Yeah.
1: Could you break down either like the hierarchy or the structure of the field production team?
2: Sure. Yeah. So it goes uh, we have our supervising field producer uh, and then we have our field producer and then we have um, associate field producer who's me. And then we have a field PA. Okay. Uh, so overall, it's a department, and then we also have our field coordinator, okay. uh, who is uh, more the logistic side of things. Okay. So he will be looking at permits for locations. He'll be hiring the crew. Uh, he'll be uh, pricing things out uh, to see, you know, how much things are going to cost and if it's within our budget. Okay. Uh, can we get in quotes for things? So we can get things cheaper. So our coordinator is really on the uh, logistic side of things, okay. whereas myself yes. and the uh, field producer is more on the creative and making sure things make sense okay. and uh putting the edits like in a nice little box so that it fits for time. Yeah. Uh, but it's still the most entertaining. So yeah, we have a, we have a team of uh about five people, uh, which I've worked on some shows where the field department has been bigger, but those mm-hmm. have been like, like Jordan Klepper and Diaz Amaro right. where there was definitely more of a field element. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Especially with like, with Klepper, yeah. Like right. they're always going out with that. Those yeah. daily show-esque shows, they're always like doing yeah. something out in the field and everything. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, but that's the, uh, I, I can't speak to that's a hierarchy with uh, with every field department and every show, mm-hmm. but that, that's how ours goes.
1: Okay. Cool. So what is it like working on a show like the Drew Barrymore show where it's a more traditional studio field uh, kind of back and forth versus Billy on the Street is pretty much just field, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just field. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that show is interesting. I yeah. was a release PA. So this was still okay. back in my, my PA days. And what a release PA does is they would have like a huge line of like 10 release PAs and we would have to be the ones who would sign oh. the person to make sure that we were able to use them yeah. on camera. So here's Billy, here's two camera guys <laughs> kind of following him. No one knows who's, who's who he's going to go up to. And then he'll go up to someone, shout at them about how, you know, they Sandra Bullock should have won the Oscar. Yeah. Exactly. Name <laughs> Exactly. Like those, like <laughs> those viral clips yeah. right there and moments. And then Afterwards, depending on, you know, they could be, be super happy that they got to meet Billy right. Eichner and be a part of the show, or they could be like ultra pissed and be yeah. like, why did <laughs> you just God. ruin my day? I'm on my lunch break. I'm on the phone. This is, this is stupid. What are you doing? And then no matter what, no matter what their reaction is, we have to be the ones to go there. I'm sorry, sir. Like, sorry that that just happened. Would you mind signing this right here and then yeah. give yeah. them the whole spiel? But funny enough, I actually had more good experiences on that than bad. I would say That's like good. one out of every like 10, 10 maybe gave me a hard time, but okay. for the most part, and I think I had the the luxury of coming onto the show when he was famous.
1: Okay, so people so I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, I <laughs> can't yeah. even
2: imagine what it was like, like season one <laughs> and two of that show and like no one knew who he was. He didn't Just really have like celebrity <laughs> guests. Exactly, but it's a lot easier to get people to agree yeah. to sign, uh, to, to sign paperwork if you see the guy from Billy on the Street and there's Lin-Manuel Miranda right, right there. Yeah, like, people know helps. who that is, so that they know it's not like it's not like a weird like scam or anything like that. So the celebrity days were, were busier days, but they were always, uh, uh, they helped out in, in getting people on board with things because, Yeah, you might be ruining their day, but hey, here's Emma Stone. So at yeah, least um, uh, at least there's that. Yeah,
1: Not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> was there someone like photographing them to keep track of who did not didn't sign the release? Yeah,
2: so that, that was actually a, a system that was put into place to make it as easy as possible okay. for the post team and, and legal to know yeah. uh, which release belonged to what. They, okay. they all had a number on the release form, and then we would have them, once they signed it, we would have them hold the release up okay, to their chest it. and then take that a picture sense. of them holding it so that we could say, hey this person in the purple shirt uh they were really good we want to use them did they okay. sign what was their name and then we can look back at the photos and say hey purple shirt lady right there and then hey number three yes they signed so okay uh, so there was like a key almost along yeah. with all the pictures that we were able to keep track of uh who signed and who didn't okay interesting cool.
1: yeah that's cool <laughs> i just can't imagine the chaos of Oh yeah. That sounds
0: just, like, <laughs> I mean, that, that show feels chaotic. Yeah, so I'm sure like actually be, like yeah. chasing them around must be, <laughs> must be a challenge. It's,
2: it's crazy. Yeah. Like I, I never, fortunately the, the wildest things that I had to do to like get people to sign and it's, it, which isn't even that wild, but it's like, there yeah. was this one time uh, I had to follow somebody into a Home Depot uh just to <laughs> like, like Billy had talked to them. They did their thing back and forth and they were so good. They're like, Oh, Billy like really wants that person like go. And we have our, Producer in our ears Mm -hmm. saying like, "Oh, Billy really like that person. Really like do what you can to get them." And then I have to like follow them into Home Depot to like give them the (laughs) spiel while they're shopping. But yeah, some people have had to like get on buses with people. Some people have had to ride the subway to like follow people down and like just try to like explain to them what the show. Because some people they're on board and like they're they're having a lot of fun with it, but they don't really know what the show is. They're like, "Why would I sign that? I don't know you. I've never met you before." So the PAs, we have to do a good job of selling it. Right. And sometimes when you're in New York city and people are in a hurry to get places, yeah. you'll ride a taxi with them or you'll ride right. the subway with them <laughs> and, and all that. So we'll have on the walkie, like someone like, Oh, I'm, I'm all the way up in Queens. I'll, I'll meet you down there in like an hour. Like, so like that was their, their one thing they did all day. But yeah,
1: well, that explains why you have a whole line of release PAs. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> and some of them are going to disappear for a little bit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why. Well, Christian, what's the most challenging part of your job? Both the most challenging and the most exciting is definitely getting comfortable and getting knowledgeable on all different topics. Yeah, and what I mean by that is we ha- we just when you're when you work at a variety show, there's so many different people, so many di- different topics. Uh, you know, especially Drew just covers a wide range yeah. of things where you might not be familiar with certain things you might not be an expert on certain things but like for example we were going to do a shoot with victoria beckham at the beginning of uh of this uh, past season and so i was doing a research dossier on her and we just you know had to come up with like the most detailed uh facts about her, interesting questions we could ask her, to get Drew as familiar as possible with uh, with the guests and what they're all about. And so she was on promoting uh, a new makeup line of hers. And I know nothing about makeup, so I really had to get myself familiar and interested in that world. And, and like I said, it's a two, uh, two sides of the same coin where it's exciting because you get to just learn new things all day long, but can be challenging in that if you, if you're starting from scratch and you know, nothing about, you know, a piece I produced, it was a little in with the property brothers on, uh, on composting where it's like, mm-hmm. I knew nothing about composting, but in order to write the one page, like little thing they were writing about, yeah. I had to like take some information Okay, what what's compostable, what's not. So yeah, it, it's, I, I would say it's, it's definitely a job for curious people yeah. where if you just, you're just open to anything and everything that is in the world.
1: Right. Yeah. You sort of become a, like a little bit of an expert on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So do you have any moments from your career that's either like a favorite moment or just a, like a moment where you're like, I can't believe this is what I get to do for a living?
2: Yeah. What I've realized more and more as I've gone on my career, and even though I, I've taken the path of variety television mm-hmm. and comedy, I always get back to like why I wanted to get into this in the first place. And it was telling stories and like yeah. being a storyteller. And so, and that's all about like capturing moments that, you know, people are going to resonate with, people are going to find some way to connect with, um, with, Drew more specifically, uh, one of the things that I was the most proud of uh, in the so far the one season I've been a part of it was our druber with uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, and I knew that that was going to be a special one because I see at least you know in my initial uh, pre-production and and research and all that they seem like such. Um, similar people and like I, I was always thinking of like millie as being like a mini drew not not necessarily in terms of personality yeah. but in terms of career path yeah where obviously drew was in et started off in the industry very young as a child mm-hmm. actor uh sci-fi was a big uh, a big you know part of just her early days with mm-hmm. with working with Spielberg. Yeah. And I just knew that like a conversation between the two of them would be so cool, just in like Drew talking to Millie about not mm-hmm. not even necessarily like advice, but just like that that bond that they could have having uh similar experiences mm-hmm. in in the world of uh of film and TV. And then another one that I'm just uh I'm I'm super proud of I don't remember if I uh, if I put this in my uh, in my credits at all. It was it was a short job that I did, but I worked at um a weather I worked at Fox Weather for a little while. Oh, nice as an associate producer. And what was really cool, and I'm not a weather person, I still couldn't tell you anything <laughs> scientific about the weather, even <laughs> though I was in countless meetings about it. <laughs> reason I was hired, and and reason that I took so much from that job is because it really helped me focus on how to tell short stories in short interviews in a small amount of time. And we had so many amazing guests on that show that our guest bookers would just present to us and we would have to like pre-interview them, write the questions for the anchors, get the visuals ingested and kind of call those in the control room. And the one thing that I'm the most proud about about that job is I got to produce this story about a blind skateboarder. His name is Justin Bishop and uh definitely you look him up after that yeah. I mean he he did a um a short little documentary I, th- I think Vice did a thing with him or uh he, he's been all over but uh okay. his story is he was a skateboarder lost his eyesight and then uh after a while of quitting skateboarding he got back on the board and found new ways of being able to continue his dream of, of wow. skateboarding he put little like sound devices like all around the uh the ramps so that he could like listen for and know where to grab cool. uh when he That's awesome skating competitions his team would have like a little model for him so that he could like kind of run his fingers around it and kind of get a feel for it and as I was like you know talking to him producing that I thought man this guy like he's blind and he's killing it in the yeah. skateboard world like I have zero excuse for yeah. anything like <laughs> yeah. but it's just like stories like that I just think are like so cool things that you don't normally think about in the world or yeah. people that you may not you may not get a you know, lifted up in, in, in our world of of media and all that. So just being a small part and being able to tell a story like Mm -hmm. that, I think is, is just really cool uh, in my job, but just in in the TV world in general.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. And it just makes, makes your job super rewarding, you know, Mm -hmm. when you can find those moments. Absolutely. Well, we got one
0: more question for you, Christian. And that question is what advice do you have people who want to get into the entertainment world, whether it be in the producing world, daytime talk or just the world in general?
2: Yeah, totally. Building your network is key. I think you don't necessarily need to be an extrovert in order to succeed in this industry. It helps, but you don't yeah. you don't need to be one. When people talk about TV and they say it's all about who you know, that gets twisted a little bit into like a negative uh yeah. connotation where people yeah. automatically think that's like nepotism or that's like oh, so and so's cousin got them the job there. Their right. dad's president of the network, so they were a must hire and all that. But building your network, I think is is more so about just starting from the ground level, being pleasant to work with, yeah uh becoming you know friendly with with everybody you can getting to learn everybody's job uh that's you know from the director to the to the other pas more often than not when people move along to different projects you know now you have a whole net of people where hey you worked with this set of people on one project that wrapped and now they all have to find other jobs elsewhere and now you know people that are on you know you yeah. went from knowing someone who was on one show to now knowing people who are on like 10 shows all throughout New York or throughout La so just keeping in constant contact with with those people genuinely wanting to get to know them not just like Mm -hmm. using them as like a industry connect but like actually like trying to get to know them and like be connected with them i think will go a long way i mean most of the jobs that i've gotten in this industry have been because of people i met years ago um like my, my current boss at, uh, at Drew Barrymore, we hadn't stayed in touch, but we, we stayed in touch on um, on social media. And I met, mm-hmm. I met her, well, uh, like years ago on a different show. And, and it grew into into the job I have now. And uh, and even just cold emails. Like there was something I used to do where I would, um if there was a show I wanted to work on, I would go onto LinkedIn and I would type in the name of that show and then just see like what people like came up and who, who was working on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's actually how I got um Billy on the street. I, I typed in <laughs> Conan O'Brien and then... Yeah, yeah see like who came up there and there was this one guy who uh whose profile came up there i was like oh he seems interesting went his his uh his linkedin profile his resume was right there he had like letterman credit a uh, conan credit and so i said oh this guy seems really cool so i cold yeah. emailed him just like grab a cup of coffee in the city got back to me very quickly uh said hey i'm not in the area right now but i'd love to like talk on the phone if you'd like Mm -hmm. to so we had a phone call the next day little did i know this this wasn't on his resume yet but he was the um the showrunner of billy on the street wow i found that i found that out like on the phone like talking to him (laughs) and then after like an hour talk like phone conversation he was like yeah we're hiring pas for the next season if you want to like if you want to come on board and and all that and then he and then someone from that show knew someone who was hiring at uh, the opposition with jordan klepper like they their friend had just become the production manager so it is just like getting on as much shows as possible getting to know as many people yeah. as possible whether it's a cold email or it's just like somebody you happen to be on set with uh because you never know what that could grow into the person that you're you're interning with if you're just starting off at a at a show or network could end up being like head writer of a show eventually, or could be like head of a, a field department that you know you, you just don't know so right. you, yeah you want to just do your best to mm-hmm. to build that network as much as possible Let's get to our feature
0: film. Today we're discussing the 2007 drama Zodiac. It was written by James Vanderbilt and Robert Graysmith and was directed by David Fincher. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., and Mark Ruffalo. So Susan, before we get into it, can you give us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about?
1: Yeah, well, this movie is about the Zodiac Killer. It's sort of based on the book, but also tells the story of the book by Robert Graysmith, who is a real person. This is a slightly fictionalized account of the actual investigation of the Zodiac Killer. So we meet Robert Graysmith and Paul Avery. Paul Avery's a reporter. Robert Graysmith is a cartoonist who becomes very interested in the Zodiac Killer investigation. Uh, We also meet uh, two detectives, Tashi and Armstrong. And then we just see all these characters interact. At the same time, we're seeing... The movie starts with the zodiac killer's second murder so uh, we hear one that had already happened and then we see the second one happening and then it goes on from there and just shows his actions uh, crimes he did or possibly did not commit and ones he took credit for how he toyed with the press and the police and also how it played out across media just very well done movie and i think we'll get more into like the ending and everything oh yeah Uh, It does take a, I think it takes a pretty clear stance on who Robert Graysmith thinks the Zodiac Killer was.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Which, yeah.
0: All right. So, Christian, you chose this movie for us to watch. Why did you choose Zodiac?
2: I've been thinking about that during the whole interview. Cause it is, a, <laughs> it is a very funny and jarring transition now talking about like, Oh, the, the comedy shows and like yeah. daytime and all that. And then yeah. now we're going to talk about this serial killer movie. Yeah. Like, this
1: is very opposite of the Drew Barrymore show. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> very, very opposite. You know, what's funny though, is I feel like people, like people in the comedy world, they much prefer at just the people I know. And like what I like friends that I, and colleagues that I associate with, like they much prefer when they have like free time or they're watching things like, they much prefer to watch like dramas, yeah. and, like just like hardcore, like instead of like more comedies, which I right. just think is funny. <laughs>
1: uh, but
2: no, this movie, so this movie popped up in my mind. It, it's always on my mind. It's one of my mm. favorite movies. Really but uh, somebody had just posted on Twitter recently, they were like, name a movie that got zero Oscar nominations, but should have gotten yeah. at least one. And this is one of those movies because it got nominated for Zip. And yeah. I do not understand why, because uh, I think it's David Fincher's best movie and it's one of those movies too where like especially seeing how he went on to make Mine hunter on netflix Mm -hmm. i think if this were made today and and i i'm too young to be one of those people that's like they don't make movies like they used to anymore (laughs) like i'm fully i'm fully aware of that but this is this does feel like one of those movies where like if it were being produced today it would be an hbo miniseries or like a like because it is just like that straight procedural Mm -hmm. like you can easily see like where the episode breaks could be but i love me a, a good uh a three-hour suspense thriller yeah um and this is yeah this is one of the best it just has like a cool like creepy vibe without being a horror movie it's right. not a scary movie but there are a lot of moments of suspense like the uh like the basement scene when uh yes. oh gosh, when jake yeah. john hall goes to uh so the uh, the movie poster artist and he says like There aren't a lot of basements in California. There he goes, well, I have one, like like something like that. But just like little things like that, that's just like, you know, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, even though it's not a, it's not a traditional horror.
1: Yeah, they did a really good job. So Arthur Lee Allen, when they first interview him, they do a good job of like establishing that tension you talk about, like that whole scene. I'm like, I'm so uncomfortable and there's nothing really happening on screen other than three guys talking to each other. But they just do such a good job with that yeah. tension. And he, the actor who plays Arthur Lee Allen, is so good and so creepy that it just he's not even really doing anything other than like his pattern of speech is a little bit weird. And then, you know, the way he reacts is a little bit strange, but it's just well done, you yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's pretty amazing. Obviously, this is about serial killers, right? I mean, it's about hunting this guy down, but they do it from the perspective of, of course, the victims when they get murdered, but then also from the perspective of the people investigating, mm-hmm. which is pretty typical, right? Yeah. These kind of movies. But I love, you know, I mean, this movie's is automatically elevated in my eyes because it's true. It's yeah. not like I'm watching a movie that's fictional based on something that's real. like this. All, all this stuff, for the most part, with some exaggerations. It really happened. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and it's it is creepy to your point Christian. It's it's and there are scenes that are straight up scary, like when the couple's on the beach and mm-hmm. he just walks up to them mm-hmm. and convinces them and then And broad daylight too. Yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. exactly. It's like these places where you think you're safe, you know, and you're not threatened, but all of a sudden, well, no, all of a sudden, no, I mean someone's murdered, right? And so mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like this did happen all over the place. And it was so, you don't think about people being able to get away with the stuff like that, but the Zodiac was never caught, right? Right. And this movie does take the position and it strongly implies that one of the characters is the Zodiac murderer, but it doesn't say for sure, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love, one of my favorite things Ever is I don't know if you guys get this when you you watch movies for the first time that have a big twist, like with people who haven't seen it. Yeah. So and, and obviously the the twist is that he's not caught. Right. So I love watching the movie with people for the first time and they're like, Wait a second, that, that's it? Like they, yeah. they never caught him. It's like, yeah, they never caught him in real life, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I really appreciated that they didn't like button up the ending. Cause they I mean, really a lot of this was not fictionalized. I think there's a little bit with Paul Avery's life, they didn't like fully flesh out. Right, he had right. like wife and kids um that they didn't really
2: pre-iron pre man robert downey jr yes too. yeah <laughs> right before Iron yeah. Man. yeah post-drugs pre-iron man right it's <laughs> a really thin spot. line in yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but also this movie is almost three hours long it does not feel arduous right. like it mm. does feel long but in a good way where you just are constantly having more things unveiled to you so And there's a
0: lot that, of time jokes because yeah. there's a lot right that, you know
1: they cover the whole story right
0: exactly um, is this the first time you saw uh, it? this? it?
1: Uh, I, I saw it a long time ago. Yeah, time, yeah. Yet.
0: I think this movie's great. I think it, the directing is, I mean, David Fincher is a mastermind. You know, he's amazing. And just the way he shoots things, everything's so scary. The scene where the woman and her baby are in the car is just like Ugh. the scariest scene. <laughs> but then also the scene where Jake Lindenhall's in the basement, that one that you were mm. talking about, Christian, where, you know, it's just everything's so creepy down there. But I, I think my favorite scene is the one that you mentioned Susan where you first meet Arthur Lee Allen <laughs> when they go to his to his you know where he's working and he sits down and it feels like he's toying with the police because he like you know shows him his boots he shows him his watch you know they actually says Zodiac on yeah. it right all those little <laughs> details it's like well this is obviously the guy right and then for the police to be like well the hand ma- handwriting didn't match you know it's like
2: oh it's yeah like, like oh
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult it must be to investigate someone like that. Because they had, what, like, they said 1,200 different suspects or something like that. Some crazy number. At the same time, it's like, oh, man, but that guy's creepy. So, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh, you're yeah. so close. And you want him to get caught.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think a similar scene to that in the same vein that I think is my my favorite scene is towards the end where it's um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Mark Ruffalo in the diner where he like wakes wakes up. Mark Ruffalo's character brings him there and he's explain he's like using the salt and pepper shakers to say like the distance between the houses of the victim and where Arthur Lee Allen lived and just uh, some of the best uh, acting from Mark Ruffalo where he just he kind of like looks at it and says like you know what you're right like he laid out all the evidence there even to the point where mark ruffalo's character is saying like you are right this yeah. all adds up right here but he has no like actual yeah, hard, evidence. No hard we can't, evidence we can't get him so yeah. it's, it's my favorite scene because it's the most frustrating one because it's mm-hmm. like you know he's right but right. you can't do anything about it like <laughs> yes. yeah
1: he he was too good to really leave anything behind yeah Yeah. Susan, do you have a i like all those big scenes like with arthur uh, ali allen i also really like they do a good job of not building up too much when the zodiac's about to kill someone so it feels very sudden and it feels like Mm. that's how it feels in real life it's like all of a sudden everything's changed and these people are getting stabbed to death and it feels like it almost comes out of nowhere yeah i think that was really well done
2: yeah Oh, how about when he calls into the uh, the TV show? Yes. Oh yeah. That's oh my it. God. Yeah. And he like screams like uh-huh. through, like yeah.
1: Yeah. And then to find out, they're like, We traced the call, that wasn't even him. Like the amount of people wrapped up in this case who just want it's like they wanted to be a part of it. And part they're of whatever part, yeah, yeah. There's fans the of, of the day, Zodiac.
2: That, at the end of the day, that was who Jake Gyllenhaal was. He he wasn't a right. detective. He was no. he was an actual cartoonist, right. and he mm-hmm. was just like, I like to do this. I was a Boy Scout. Like right. that, that's what his character. Yeah, is, yeah. I like which solving Kind puzzles. of funny. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I also really like the relationship that forms. Obviously, it devolves, but the relationship that forms between Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith. and when they're hanging out in that bar, and he's like, "So what do you like to do? Oh, well, I like to read. You know, I like books. All oh, those." Are the same thing um i like I, I, any little back and forth moments between them were really good they
0: do have a great relationship yeah they have good chemistry mm-hmm. yeah this movie is based on real life so it doesn't really follow like a typical like format for a movie right it doesn't follow a formula of of like you know act three the killer gets caught and there's this big showdown and then halfway through you know he he does this and this and this you know like other movies kind of follow that you know the killer gets caught but on purpose or something you know some like those little Things with this because it's based on real life, you know, characters just sort of fall off. Like Paul Mm -hmm. Avery sort of disappears from Act Three for the most
2: part, you know, it's like like actually.
1: Right. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like
2: you just don't i don't remember what the line is that they use like kind of write him out but they they do kind of say like a little something like he, he he went into hiding a little bit or like yeah because yeah. 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 like his trail was getting like too hot and then he just wasn't in the rest right. of the movie you're just kind of like okay <laughs> yeah i
1: guess he's gone i guess this is this is just the cartoonist now <laughs> right
2: yeah. it's funny because the
0: cartoonist sort of becoming the main character doesn't happen until two hours right. into the movie right Yeah, Um, So it's sort of interesting how the story sort of shifts Mm -hmm. focusing on different
1: people. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking up stuff about this movie and there was something where David Fincher said when he was a little boy, he was coming home from school and a police car was following his bus and he got out and went home and his dad was like, he was like, dad, a police car is following my bus. And his dad was like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's because some guy called into the news and said he was going to shoot up a school bus or something. And it was so like, I need to like oh. read more into that story to make sure it's hundred percent true. But I was like, is that why he was so dead? Cause this movie like almost didn't get made. It was like shelved a couple times or something. So I wonder if that's why he was so dead set on making it is because he had this weird connection.
2: Yeah. And they yeah. mentioned that very moment in yeah. uh, one right. of the letters too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah that, oh, that's so funny. But I read
1: that and I was like, Oh, that's like, <laughs> not, know, not funny,
2: that's, but like that, right. that's like, it's eerie almost right. that you have that connection. He wants yeah. to, and he wants, Yeah.
1: Yeah, and yep. you want to make a whole movie about it? Um Just really, really well done. Really creepy, like you said, not a horror movie, but very scary throughout. Yeah, just but the underlying it, tension the whole time.
0: Totally, and because yeah. it's real, I think it's scarier yeah. than most horror movies. Because again, this really happened, and because I mean, like, I think that's way scarier than most slasher movies.
1: Yeah, mm,
2: yeah, I'm I'm more terrified of the Zodiac than I am Michael Myers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like even though this is a serial killer movie quote unquote it doesn't fall into the same trap as maybe like a the Dahmer Netflix right. story would
1: yeah it's not told it's not perspective and you really I mean when the Zodiac killer's in like his mask and everything you really barely even see him right so it's mm-hmm. really not highlighting him at all and if you don't believe that Arthur Lee Allen was the Zodiac Killer then they really don't show him very much at all through the whole movie so yeah, yeah I
0: think that actually adds to the suspense of this film is yeah. how little you do see the Zodiac Killer Um, Because he's always in shadows or even when he's in daylight. You're right. He's completely covered up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that really adds to the. It's
1: uh, like Jaws. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's exactly like (laughs) Jaws. (laughs) Who's also a serial killer. I mean. (laughs) We like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling You're Killing It. In honor of Zodiac, we're going to see how well both of you know films featuring serial killers. So, Christian and Susan, you guys will be playing as a team. So, here are the rules. I've given both of you a list of films that feature serial killers. You will take turns describing the film's characters, plots, even quotes to each other as quickly as you can, but you cannot use the name of the movie. You will have one minute to get your partner to guess as many as possible, and if together you get five correct, then Krishna will win our prize. And Susan, what's our prize? It's
1: some life in the credits merchandise, like a mug or a shirt or a bag, something like that. So really high nice. stakes game. Nice. <laughs> That's a lot on the line. I right.
2: want it all. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, Susan, are you guys ready to play? Ready. I've never been more ready.
1: <laughs> Christian,
0: you've elected to give clues first, so whenever you're ready, I will start the time after you give your first clue.
2: Alright, this is an Alfred Hitchcock slasher movie uh, starring Janet Leigh.
1: Oh, um, is it sci- Psycho? Yeah. yeah. One yep. point. Um, this is about Hannibal, Clarice. Silence uh, of the Lambs. Yep.
2: Two points. Alright, uh, Drew Barrymore gets killed in the uh, first bit yeah yes points.
1: yes charlie's theron is in this movie she goes monster. on monster yes four points
2: all right uh also a david fincher film brad pitt and morgan freeman uh deadly sins
1: seven five points yes. um this is actually a musical about a murderer there was a version of it that starred johnny depp Oh, uh, Sweeney Todd and the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Yes, Yes. Uh,
2: Robert De Niro, famous Martin Scorsese movie. He drives around. uh, He uh, uh, kills someone at the end. He shaves his head, so he has that interesting haircut. Uh, You talking Uh, to me? Are you talking to uh, me? uh,
1: Pass. I'm blanking He drives Um, around. Okay. uh, We we just talked about this movie.
2: Oh, uh, Zodiac.
1: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) So I gave you the worst clues. (laughs) The well, <laughs> movie we just talked about. Here's the deal, guys.
2: You got like seven correct.
1: Oh, what's the movie I missed?
2: Taxi Driver.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. Taxi
0: Driver. No, you guys won
1: yeah. easily. Yeah.
2: Nice. So, well done.
1: Excellent job. We, Congratulations. We,
2: you could say we killed it.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> on that note.
1: <laughs> Thank you for being on the show.
2: Of course. I'm, <laughs> this was so fun. Thanks for having me.
1: Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner,
2: And me, Ben Bloom.
1: It's executive produced by Michelle Levin.
0: The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSongs.com.
1: The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin.
0: If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com.
1: If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits, or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
2: Also, apologies, the ice cream truck is outside. I was going to ask, May is that an window. ice cream yes. truck?
1: <laughs> it is. I'll be right back.
2: I'm going to go get it. A- <laughs>
1: yeah, you can run out if you need to. We can pause. We get it.
2: I want my Spongebob Popsicle. <laughs> <laughs>